Hello there and welcome to Talent and Growth. I am your host, Paul Church. Of course I am. You know I am. You know who I am by now, surely. This is the podcast dedicated to all things talent attraction and talent retention focused. And today we're joined by the CEO of MetaView and the co-founder, of course. MetaView is a product which is... uh, something I have found to be incredibly useful as I have been doing my recruiting and it's uh, been transparent. MetaView is a partner of Talent and Growth and the Enemo Group. Um, so we've got a vested interest in them, uh, but it's an authentic one because I love their product. I use it to make my life a lot easier and more efficient. And today we're talking about how we should be using AI in recruitment, the future of it, what we should be doing right now, there's some practical steps, and also how we need to make sure we're focusing on the human elements of our work because actually AI could and will replace those elements as time goes on if it's not already. So Sal is just so smart um, in lots of areas, I'm sure, uh, but certainly on AI. And uh, it's a real pleasure to, to get his thoughts on where we are and where we're going with it. So I'm sure you'll get a lot out of this episode. Do let me know what you think. And of course, please subscribe, follow, like, share, do what you can, help pass the pod, as they say, uh, I really appreciate all the support. His Sile. Just before we get to today's chat with Sile, MetaView is, of course, a partner of Talent and Growth and a partner of the Anemo Group. The reason for that is because I absolutely love their product. It has made my life so much easier when it comes to note-taking, meaning I do not need to do that anymore. I can have human conversations with people where I can engage and and stick to what I need to talk about rather than worrying about if I'm noting down what they've said in response to my questions. And as you hear in the show later on, one thing I always could not stand doing and ended up batching this till the end of the day was writing up those candidates to send to the hiring managers. And, you know, if I've got five or six at the end of the day, I'm like, oh my goodness, Metaview does it all for you. Even more reason to give their product a go. Um, Everybody gets five free interviews to test out the product. If you uh, also mention talent and growth, you will get 10% off if you use their product uh, for for after the trial, which I'm sure you will. So do make sure you mention talent and growth from the off. And uh, yeah, just head over to metaview.ai to give them a go. Now, here's the conversation with Sile. Sile, welcome to Talent and Growth. How you doing, my friends? I'm really good, thanks, Paul. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolute pleasure. And I think uh, I think a lot of people probably know who you are and have heard of Metaview by now uh, for good reasons. But let's just pretend people don't. Talk about t- tell us a bit about a bit about you, your journey, and uh, and what you do now with Metaview. Sure. So uh, I'm Sile. Um, I'm co-founder and the CEO at Metaview, as as Paul mentioned. Um, <clears throat> we're uh, we're helping recruiters and anyone who interviews frequently. So sometimes that's hiring managers too, but mainly recruiters to uh, do a better job during the interview process. So we help recruiters focus on high quality conversations with candidates. We take your notes for you. We use AI to summarize and structure those notes so that after the interview, you have exactly what you want ready to pass on to the client or the hiring manager or add to your your ATS or whatever it might be. We have integrations with all of those those workflows. So essentially, you can think of MetaView as an AI assistant for your interview process with the idea that we remove a lot of the admin and really help you as the recruiter focus on engaging with 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 the candidate um, in terms of background for me personally how we got to this problem started out really with more of a hiring manager perspective on sort of the importance of interviewing so I was at uber before um, on the product uh, product development team before before starting metaview um, actually interviewed a bunch because we were growing like crazy it was 2016 2017 and um, and just felt like this was a, 
interviewing was a really sort of inefficient and unreliable part of my day-to-day and and started to think about how we could use technology to help that. Uh, And then sort of embarked on a sort of hundreds and hundreds of conversations with various recruiters, some who are now, many who are now customers, some who are now friends and sort of just generally uh, uh, working out how we can, we help you, you you folks, uh, uh, yeah, focus on, on higher leverage activity. And how, what's that, what's that evolution been like since that, um, I suppose, concept you had and, you know, identifying that problem and, and thinking, right, you want to start working with recruitment professionals on the, on this interview process. What's the evolution of the product been like to what MetaView is that we know it to be like today? Yeah. So actually started out, um, the, 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 the sort of the fundamental insight that led to starting the company has not changed, which is interviews are actually really important and they really determine who you end up hiring but they're also quite unreliable and they take up a lot of time that was a starting insight that's definitely still true you can see if you're a metaview customer you can see how that drives our product development and drives drives what we build uh our initial um product to try and sort of solve for that problem was a little bit more focused on the the sort of talent leadership view of the world. So if you're a sort of a VP of recruiting at a large company, wouldn't it be great if you understood this this machine, this sort of quite organic machine that you're responsible for, which is your interview process? And so we're working a lot on how can we give that person visibility or we actually even use the phrase interview analytics. Can we give this person their dashboard about what's really happening in the interview process? Um, Still something I think should exist in the world and 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 hopefully something MetaView uh, gets back to in future. But what we realized as part of doing that was uh, you can have much more impact if you actually help the the people who are doing the hiring. So the recruiters and the hiring managers who, you know, they all have good intentions when it comes to hiring. They want to be engaging. They want to be persuasive. They want to be curious. They want to get to know this. That's often why they got into recruiting is because they consider themselves a people person. And what you realize, you can solve much more painful but almost more tactical problems which is hey i used to really enjoy talking to candidates now actually it sort of sucks because i have to sit there taking notes the whole time and then i know i have to spend 20 minutes afterwards writing up my notes which means i'm a little bit reluctant to speak to this person because i know there's this admin downstream i'm going to have to do about it so we just realized actually over time that if you take a much more pain-driven view of the world um, which you can only really truly, truly empathize with when you sort of do your 10,000 hours of realizing this is this is to, to realize this is the real problem. Um, uh, yeah, we sort of switched. So, yeah, we went from this analytics view to analytics doesn't really play a role in our product at this point. It's now much more focused on how can we make a recruiter more productive and more able to engage on a human level with candidates. Yeah, I think I've probably done over 10,000 hours of writing up uh, candidate interviews and I used to be terrible for it. And I probably, I think a lot of people probably do it, but I, you know, I do my days of screenings and I'd save that admin till the end of the day in trying to be efficient with my time. And then, but, but actually the quality of those write-ups then at the end of the day were probably not so good. Certainly the last few I did, I'm sure weren't as, weren't as good as the ones before. So that's why I first came across was thought, okay, MetaView sounds good for me because I hate doing that. And I'm sure there's lots of people, other people out there who hate yeah, doing it as well. Yeah, we hear that a lot, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk um, AI in general. And this is this is what's you know changed uh, many a workplace and certainly the recruitment landscape a huge amount in the last what ten months or something like that. So for you, um, I suppose taking a step back just from the MetaView world, but looking at AI as a whole, how do you see AI affecting the recruitment landscape as we as we speak today? Um, so the uh, in, in a nutshell, I would say positively. And I mean that in the sense that I think 
and I think we're already seeing it, frankly. So I think it's quite a rapid adoption curve at this at this point that recruiters will spend more time on things that they a enjoy and b are actually high impact. So um, again. I can speak most clearly to, I don't want to speak, focus on MetaView, but I can see this with our customers where the time that they say they get back in their day, not having to do things that actually were quite, seen as quite drudgerous, like writing up notes, making this sure this form is filled in and this box is ticked and that I write down everything the candidate says and uh, all of these sorts of things. The time that they're getting back, they're using for things that they actually think are higher impact, like, you know, advising hiring managers or uh, coaching interviewers or really getting to know candidates and making sure they can influence their decision if they if they end up making an offer. So I think that I think you'll I think in a nutshell that's going to be the impact on recruiting. And there'll be many other ways that that gets achieved, not just through obviously affecting interviews, obviously, but essentially really putting the almost the humans on the pedestal here, which is really what hiring should be about, right? It's it's a it's a group of humans in a company, otherwise known as an organization trying to match make with another human being who's obviously not currently in the organization, but wants to join it. Um, uh, and that's anything you can do to get everything else out of the way, all of the sort of the things that are important tasks, you know, scheduling or yeah, scorecard writing or um, changing and adapting interview plans based on, you know, based on the candidate and these sorts of things. They, they're really important. They take up time. They're just not actually uniquely human tasks, whereas connecting, creating a connection and a sort of a, a resonance and a, a bond with a, with another person is. So I think that's fundamentally the evolution that we'll see. I think it's happening quite quickly in some areas. Other areas might take take, take longer. So um, I often reflect uh, and, you know, some 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 folks that are listening may have may have heard me mention this. Um, in many ways, I think AI can save recruitment from a lot of the sort of the, the drudgery that is quite commonly part of people's day to day now um, and go back to this more relationship driven world of recruiting uh, where what you're really sort of, I guess, the, the alpha or the advantage that you're bringing to the organization you represent, whether it's your own or obviously if you're an internal recruiter at another company is your ability to connect with and understand other human beings and maintain relationships with those people potentially over the long term as well so that you can uh, become a trusted advisor to both them, the candidate, but also the hiring managers you work with. Um, and I think that's a place where a lot of the best recruiters really want to be. It's interesting when you mentioned the, I suppose, the drudgery, as you put it, which is, I think, a fair term, a uh, fair way to put it, in, of the, the day-to-day life of a recruiter. I think if you... I think it's a really interesting exercise to kind of write down those tasks which you typically do each day and and realize how much of that can be eased by the use of AI automation, whatever you want to call it. With that, though, I think that there's probably apprehension and sometimes mm-hmm. a bit of fear. Uh, I, was at a, I was at a round table last week um, where we talked around this and I was with, with a, seeker round, a, seeker, a round table run by a seeker agency with uh, talent leaders and, and we talked around this topic and I think AI does mean that people can't hide behind that drudgery as well because um, they, they, those things which can be outsourced to software, AI, robot, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, they, you, you don't need to do them anymore, which means we need to step up and maybe embrace those more human elements of, of our work. I suppose from from your from the conversation you've had, from a MetaView perspective, maybe from what you see, what are typically the biggest reasons people are apprehensive or reluctant to adopt AI and recruitment? Yeah, so I'd say what you described there is definitely one of them, which is um, 
like obviously this is the, there's 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 some opinions involved here so i don't want to act sort of like what, what i'm saying is complete and utter undeniable facts like there's a chance that, I, that my sort of philosophy could could be wrong in important ways but obviously the way i would sort of view things is if you're doing something that you feel like you can do essentially really easily without much thought on autopilot then there's going to be some companies out there who are thinking how can we actually get an autopilot to do that and you as an operator are going to have to think well what do i that what are that what am i going to therefore bring to the table so there's like a I, maybe there's like the just like there's this however many stages of grief maybe there's the sort of same number of stages of uh, adoption here and you need to first reaction is oh done that's that's i do some of that in my day to day i'm going to work out i'm going to have to work out something new and obviously anything new is 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 sometimes scary to folks so i think there's like a i think it's a reasonable reaction initially so that's so why i do think that is one it's going to some of the tasks that some recruiters do day to day are essentially going to go away if you're currently not stretched or you currently as to use the phrase that was mentioned at your round table if you're currently sort of hiding in that sort of comfort zone then yeah you're going to be put out of your comfort zone and that is that's what disruption means you, that is disruption for you and either you'll be either those people will be displaced um or they'll have to adapt and work out something else where they can bring value that's just you know the harsh 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 fact of of the the sort of the, the economic uh, environment that, that that we live in so that's definitely one i'd say others are around so that's one bucket that i think is um like you're going to get left behind if you make the wrong decision there and i feel again i might be wrong but i feel pretty confident that the people who are resisting it for that reason essentially you're going to get left it sounds harsh, but you're going to get left behind. Uh, so that's like a temporary thing. And then we'll forget about that in 10 years time. We'll be saying, oh, can you believe there were people who really were des desperate to take their own notes during interview and we'll all think it was super weird. Um, but that's what's going to happen to them. And then there's this other uh, sort of category of concern or apprehension, which is more around, well, hang on, do we actually understand this AI? And are, are we actually... Um, uh, giving it responsibilities that we don't actually is not actually for the best best for the business or best for our society to give it and that's like a different much more um uh complex bucket of arguments that exist so and i think where, where i think that maybe some light can be drawn on that is essentially there's going to be a, a push to start to use ai for more of our decisions in future at least in terms of recommending things for, for as decisions so that we can consider those things and again i'm not against that i'll Metaview's product doesn't actually do that in any way, and that's very deliberate. We don't want to do that yet. We don't think there's, we don't think we have enough. Um, you need really high precision if you're going to do that. So, I, but I think what a lot of people are getting obsessed with is, well, if we adopt AI, that means it, AI is making our decisions for us, and that's not necessarily the case. So people uh, sometimes assume that adopting AI means AI makes your decisions when that doesn't have to be true. There's actually a bunch of other things that AI can do for you that are nothing to do with making your decisions for you. So for example, automation, you've, you've, you mentioned automation. Automation is a great example. The things that, if you look at sort of the sort of the list of things that we thought were automatable a year ago versus today, there's a big difference in those two lists because these, these new LLM powered AI tools are able to actually automate some things to a really high quality bar that we previously thought were not so easy to automate. So automation is not, it's not making decisions for you. It's just giving you more time back in your day. That's sort of inherently what automation means. And then there's this other bucket of sort of applications that I would put in the detection bucket. So can we start to detect things that we previously would have completely missed? So for example, if I ask MetaView or any, if you know, yeah, let's just focus on MetaView for, for the sake of my example. If I ask MetaView, hey, can you um, 
tell me what the most common concerns raised by candidates are that are applying for the engineering manager role here at company X. Um, now, if I wanted to do that previously, I, I, to be honest, I probably wouldn't even thought of doing it because I would have had to go and speak to every person who interviewed every uh, engineering manager and sort of ask them to sort of recall, did they ever raise any concerns? I'd know that the data I'm getting back from them is probably, I'm probably losing about 90% of it anyway. So what's the point? I'm just not even going to bother asking the question. Whereas now we have this ability to just ask questions like this in this very natural way and actually get insight back. And then I use that to make my decision. So again, I would, I would put those two sort of two two buckets of innovation, automation and detection, as like quite clearly good and help people do better. And then this third bucket around decisions, I think, yeah, it's right to have a lot more due diligence and a lot more apprehension around those those buckets. What you want to avoid, though, is a case of, oh, because I don't because I don't understand how AI might impact my decision decisions in future, I'm just going to avoid the category as a whole. That, I think, is a mistake as well. Yeah, big mistake. I think um, in terms of AI... For me, I I've got it, I've got two feelings around it. One is a fear, and I think I am. It does it does scare me a bit where we're heading with AI? But one thing I know for sure is that this train is not slowing down. And yeah. if you don't jump on this train now, you're going to get really left behind. And I think actually the way you put it earlier on was is really really articulate, really clear in the sense that companies are going to be looking at how they can, you know, replace certain activities with, with AI. So you need to be looking at your role. Okay, shit, are people going to, what, what, hang on, what do I need to do to step up to make sure that doesn't happen? And I think we've all got to have that approach because if, company, if a company gets an opportunity to cut their costs by 30%, if they take away, keep productivity the same, but actually it means some of the workforce is going to go, guess what? Some of those workforce are going to go because those companies are going to do it. So we've got to, uh, whatever you feel about AI, for me, um, you've got to embrace it because it's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I this, but just so I agree with what you're saying. And I think basically there's a, like a there's a bucket of societal arguments around this that are above my, you know, I, I can't I can't influence them, and I'd be pretty sure that the majority of listeners of this podcast also cannot influence those things. So there's a there's like a there's the terrain in front of us around how the world's developing. We all have to work out what's the best way for us to chart our course and be productive and um, uh, sort of construct as members of society, of course, and 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 hopefully success and successful individuals as well. And that's just like the terrain is the terrain. You can you can influence it if you're seriously influential, but otherwise you're you're just playing the game that's in front of you. The 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 thing that I would stress with the recruiting, just to sort of make sure we're not, it's not too much of a oh damn this the terrain's changing i better i guess I, I guess i better just get on with it is that i think it can be a positive thing for for the the recruiters with that are the right way inclined which is if you've always felt deep down that your real strength was connecting with human beings and understanding them influencing them all these sorts of soft skills that I, a lot of recruiters are frankly far stronger at than a lot of other people within within their organizations, if you're in a sort of a, like a, if you're an in-house recruiter, let's say, uh, or even if you're external, you're obviously working with these companies who are eyeing hiring internally. So that's what you're bringing to the table. Then you're in a really good position because yes, there is going to be disruption, but the part of it that is your, is that is differentiated for you is probably the part of your job that you like the most. So that's a good thing. Um, that's what I, I've been trying to sort of make, make the point around, I guess. Is there anything just on this societal thing? And I can't remember if we talked about this the other day when we met, but um, in terms of the... Do you, one thing I see being a challenge, um, which someone's going to have to work out how to fix it at some point, is that 
AI does replace a lot of the, the grunt work or the drudgery, if you like, and often that grunt work, drudgery work, is the work is the entry level work uh, for people entering the workforce. Um, and so, if we replace the need for those entry level people to come in and do that drudgery, does that mean the barrier for for getting into career, certain careers and professions is a lot tougher? Does that make sense? And is that something you, you've thought about at all? It makes a ton of sense. Um, and I think that's, I put that in the bucket of sort of like super hard to predict mm. that outcome sort of, you know. So at the end of the day, a lot of organizations, there is a, there is a, there is definitely sort of cohorts of organizations who bring in entry level people in order to um, do some of the sort of the, the lower skilled work. And then hopefully one or two of them emerge actually as high performers and they get promoted and they sort of become important members of the, the organization. That's definitely a thing that definitely happens. I, I can't, probably not best place to predict what, how that's going to change over time. I'd actually be happy to jam on it, but I don't have like a, I don't have a oven ready answer on that one. But there's also a bunch of organizations who treat their early career intake as, as, as a way to identify future high performers. And essentially they think of the first two or three years of having them in the company essentially as training. So of course they're trying to sort of, you know, get value out of them during that period too. But the main thing is we're trying to just find out, find our future leaders. So I think in that world, that doesn't, that, that doesn't change. I mean, in, in many ways that might may just get better, right? Because you can actually expose them to higher leverage uh, activities earlier on without having to sort of put them through this uh, obstacle course of, Wait, hey, do this like you're you're junior, so do this, do this like low low impact stuff. Um, so yeah, really interesting topic. Um, uh, I, I, it's a, I again, I just put it in the bucket of every organization. I guess what the point I'm trying to make with these organizations that are trying to find the talent that is potentially high performing is why are they doing that? They're doing that because they're seeking alpha. They're trying to gain an advantage in the future. The fact is, the economic winners are going to be the ones who make the best decisions about how to gain advantages in the future. And so, in this world where you're the best, if the best play is no longer to get entry level staff to do low leverage work, the companies that win and the companies that, of course, that probably will therefore end up having more employees, for example, are the ones who get the decision right about what to do with with younger talent. Because there's there's no doubt that every organization is going to need high performing fresh blood coming into the company to do things so it's just gonna it's just gonna be on us or on those organizations to work out how to how to achieve that yeah yeah absolutely okay um and if we talk about how recruiters do need to you know i, I suppose I, I said it earlier on but i think you kind of implied it is that people need to step up uh in terms of the human elements of their job if what advice because like, there'll be i'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast has got some degree of knowledge of ai and is already using it but what are some of the key things that recruiters you think should be doing right now in terms of, that, that perhaps are quite robotic or mundane that they should actually be using some form of ai to replace uh, as it stands right now yeah so i think if you think about it like sort of soup to nuts um, in a recruiting flow, let's just imagine it's sort of one one higher end to end. Um, if you're an agency or an, an in-house recruiter, the first thing you usually do is is have some type of a meeting with um, your your counterpart, the hiring manager, the client, whatever it might be. Um, and your job on that meeting is to you want to come away from that having understood what this person is looking for as much as possible. And a lot of the time that takes the guise right now of having the meeting with that person, obviously making sure you've got your questions right around what you're going to, how you're going to probe them and, and prod them around these different profiles. But it's quite a challenging thing to sort of both take in what they're saying and also challenge them so that their expectations are realistic. And that's why you get these weird situations where you do an intake meeting, not a lot of pushback from the recruiter. You go away to sort of 
source some folks and you know the only person who matches the criteria is like elon musk or something like that like they say hey this is great you can't have you can't have people with 10 years of uh, llm experience because you know we've only people have, there's only there's only a handful of people who've been working on that, that sort of thing so getting to a point where we you, your your role in that meeting is not to sort of transcribe essentially what they're saying but is to challenge them and help them understand the market will be I think one way that we're starting to see people so that's sort of the starting point after that usually you move on to sourcing a lot of sourcing can be quite sort of you know some sometimes there's things there's some things that are quite sort of rewarding about the grind and finding those gems but the reality is there's a lot of wasted energy that goes into um sourcing of online profiles that essentially everyone in the planet has access to the same data like everyone has access to everyone can see that 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 list of sort of companies that someone's worked for and you're just you're just sort of like you're just sifting for, for gold and sort of hoping that you, you you find someone who's a good and be willing to speak to you so th- i think that will increasingly go away and essentially will be done much more quickly and the sort of the high leverage task will be actually getting to know like in have enriched insights about those human beings these candidates probably by speaking to them most likely you're going to speak to them in order to sort of enrich your understanding of that person and so moving from a world where you're sourcing sort of you know for hours and hours and hours and then meeting as many candidates as you can just to see if they meet the high level spec and then chucking them the hiring manager or the client to see if they like them as well and hey does that match up maybe maybe they'll change their sort of their their their, their requirements based on some of these candidates come from to a world where you really understand and have challenged the hiring manager on what they're looking for uh, sourcing you know you get candidates essentially profiles come to you via an ai system your job is to actually understand the human being beneath this and have like a few conversations and get to know people really well and then really strongly advocate for the people that you think are a good match for the hiring manager rather than just chucking them over to them. Uh, I won't go through the whole flow just because I think we will be here. We'll be here for us. But that's like an example of like if you look at the sort of the upfront um, way where really right now a lot of people and I've, I've uh, maybe even been guilty of this in a past life as a hiring manager, you know, I've thought, well, recruiter's job is to, you know, I don't want to spend those hours and hours like looking through LinkedIn, finding these profiles. I want the recruiter to do that, that, that bit for me. And then I can be the decider on if they're any good. You, you want to break out of that relationship. You're going to have to because the sourcing is going to become commoditized um, uh, and and become that more sort of thought partner for the, for the process. What we may end up with is... Uh Maybe this already exists. It probably does, actually. But what we may end up with is that the a, uh, the recruiter themselves has their agent AI tool, which goes out and makes that first line of communication to the candidates. Candidates may get to the point where they have their own AI tool, which is acting as their agent to to book these meetings. And it actually ends up with a world where we've both got like essentially got two agents working for us, communicating to set up that first human interaction. What that may end up uh, doing. From a from a candidate's point of view, I think it may we may see the comeback of the telephone phone, telephone call because some people may reject that in some forms. Do you know what I mean? Do you think that could happen? Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, may, uh, I, I I think there's sort of the sort of agents on the sort of candidate side. Uh, I, th- I think they'll that will come about to an extent. Whether they all they'll have sort of particular. I think there'll be the minority of folks who will have like career agents, and they might they might just have like general like. Um, triage agents who sort of like deal with their like incoming communications in a more effective way. Right now, like you might, you, 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 if, you, if you're a recruiter, you think one of your like forms of outreach is obviously, you know, messaging people on LinkedIn, let's say. Uh, I obviously get messages quite a lot on LinkedIn and I don't read 
all of them because that just wouldn't be feasible and that means I wouldn't be able to do a lot else in my day. So I accept to, to a certain extent that I'm missing out on opportunity or good connections because I can't respond to everything that comes my way. Whereas if there was actually something that was attuned to what I was interested in and could filter that for me, that would be really great. And I would, I, you know, I think everyone would benefit from that because I'd be responding to the more of the messages that I should not wasting time and more of the messages that I shouldn't. And I think I can imagine that being true for, for, for candidates too. Um, uh, but yeah, I think exactly what you, described, you know, what you described there around having the phone call coming back. That's a great example of what we mean by the humans being the alpha in the situation. You, you in this sort of like really noisy environment, you're going to come up with tactics in order to get those great candidates exposed to what you have to offer and then present it to them as effectively as possible and then get to know them. And so whether that's a phone call, whether that's, you know, certain events that you should start, you know, you should be appearing at, you should now be going to in person, whether that's like really sort of beefing up the content that sort of surrounds your employer brand. There's loads of tactics you can start to employ in order to sort of make sure you're, you're getting in front of these people. It's just not the actual act of going through, you know, 400 LinkedIn profiles a day and, you know, trying to connect with it. That's, that's just not going to be done by, by people. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And you talked you talked earlier on a little bit around the the tech the, the detection piece, easy for me to say, of structured data that recruiters might miss. So, do you want to talk a bit more around that? How I how AI is helping that, and how it could do in the future that would help talent leaders. Yeah. So, the, the, um, a lot of recruiters um, and, and recruiting leaders uh, will still do. Um, complain about their ability to get high quality insights about their hiring process. And that's even just in terms of like the milestones, like, hey, how many candidates did we did we see in this period? And how many got to second stage? And what's our conversion rates? Like people still like sort of like have to wrestle with data to get that out. But of course, one of the things that AI does is it makes it way easier to, uh, well, actually two things that does a really important one, way easier to interrogate data, because you can start to ask questions in natural language, which is, you know, you don't have to be a data, you don't have to be SQL proficient or whatever it might be in order to get these insights. You just can ask a question. Um, and as long as you're sort of um, trained enough to be able to prompt in the correct way and sort of make sure you're sort of second guessing the, the responses you're getting from these AI systems, then, you know, you can get you can get the exact insight you need without without needing to be really data proficient. Uh, and then the second thing, so that's one big change, is the way of getting the data has changed, uh, So, which means you can detect things that you think are important. If you have a hypothesis, I think this thing might be important, then the cost of you getting that insight is now five seconds of asking the question, as opposed to, well, I best, best I got to raise a ticket with the, you know, the data team and then see if we can see if there's an API for this system that goes into our Looker or our Tableau dashboard so that they can, you know, that's, you know, see you in four weeks and do I really want to waste my, you know, Probably there's nothing to my question anyway. I'm just curious. It just might be, you know, so like I don't want to waste people's time on that. Um, so that's a massive change. So your, detect, your, able, your ability to detect changes there. And then the second ability, second way your ability to detect changes is that the sources of data have like, I don't even want to say 10x. I want to say like 100x. So if, if the fact that you can now sort of um, capture what I would describe as ambient data, so if you think about a lot of the data we've captured previously is like when I move this candidate forward in our CRM or our ATS, that's like a data point that's been created. This person moved forward on this date after speaking to this person. Important stuff, but like small flecks of data around what the actual can, uh, candidate or, or 
experience was or the hiring flow was. Whereas now you can collect ambient data. So an example of ambient data is conversation. So these conversations were always happening. It's not like, hey, all of a sudden we've decided to have conversations as part of hiring. We've always done, in fact, they've always been the central part of hiring. But guess what? You can actually capture that data and using the same sort of sort of step one that I mentioned, you can now query it just using natural language, which means either you as the sort of the person at the human in the loop can ask questions like, hey, how are comp expectations for engineers in London changing over the last six months? Based on all of the conversations I've had with hundreds of engineers, I can get some really interesting data there to help with my my comp banding, for example. Um, so that's like a form of detection. And then the other way is, of course, the AI increasingly understanding the type of things that are important to you not waiting for you to ask the question about the thing you're interested in in detecting and instead doing it for you and saying, hey, I've just decided to put together a report for you on, on comp expectations based on uh, based on what people have said in the interviews. So that's like, a, again, like a, 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 you mentioned talent leaders, so that's more in the talent leader mold. Mm-hmm. But I think this also works at the very tactical level of interview processes as well. And apologies, I know I'm talking about interviews a lot. As you can imagine, that's obviously where I spend the bulk mm-hmm. of my, my creative thoughts. Um, if you think about one of the things that, We've sort of accepted as a as a um, as a bug of interviewing. It's well, everyone probably wants to ask the candidate. Like, a, there's a couple of questions that a lot of people tend to want to ask the candidate just because they're curious. It helps them orient in the interview. You know, that might be like, tell me a bit about yourself, and like, you know, tell me about a project that's important to you. Whatever you get this, re- you get a lot of repetition of of asking the same candidate the same thing. People try and iron that out with structured interviewing, which I think makes sense on on some level, but. Um, uh, but but fundamentally, the you know the, the interviews a great interview won't always follow the exact structure that is laid out by you know the the recruiting team of this is the, exactly the way you should interview and, and and often for good reason. So one of the things we'd really love to do as part of interviewing was well if I know that Paul interviewed this candidate, he tends to focus on their communication skills and leadership. But this time they got really wrapped around the axle of communication because there was some really interesting stuff there. They didn't get to the leadership topic. Um, we're going we're gonna to get stung by this when we get to the debrief stage when we realize, oh, we didn't, no one actually covered leadership, it turns out, because Paul didn't, didn't cover the thing. But it wasn't, wasn't your fault. You just actually found some really interesting nuggets within the other thing you were working on. Mm. So what do we do in that situation? Well, we get to the end of the flow. We say, well, we're either going to have to just reject the candidate because we don't know. We're going to have to ask to interview the candidate again because, and risk losing them that way. Or we're going to have to take a risk that this is not a concern and we're going to hire them. So like all are imperfect solutions. In a world where you have this sort of always on detection and an AI co-pilot that understands what you're, you as an organization are trying to achieve, this AI will, will tell the next interviewer after Paul, let's say Sally is interviewing next, hey, Paul is five minutes from the end of their, their interview. They haven't actually got to the leadership part of their, their process yet. So we're going to change your interview plan to focus on leadership um, uh, because that's actually a more important competency in the thing that you are going to focus on anyway. And you're trained on that that competency um that's like a real-time detection and proactive like action taken by the ai that previously would have been impossible to even you know you would have just accept you just accept that that's a you know sometimes we get to debris we haven't covered all the things we're supposed to and it's just you know you just accept it uh so i think that's another way that detection will be again more it's not just about sort of high level aggregate spotting bugs in your overall process it's sometimes just literally helping you do a better job at hiring right now because we've spotted something that otherwise would have been imperceptible. Really, really interesting. Um, and what on that recommendation piece, how far off are we where until we get to a point where we our, our AI tool knows where knows the questions we're asking, it knows the answers we want, 
before we put into that tool, should we hire this candidate? And the AI tell, tool tells us whether they're going to be right or not. So, so I think we're quite far from that. The, the specific outcome that you just mentioned of like, should we hire this candidate? I think we're quite far. And I actually think there'll be a lot of companies who, who I mean, never is such a big word, but like in the current way that, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, we'll never, we'll decide to never do that. And I think that's basically because I think there are basically better questions to ask or better data points to get from the AI. So for example, are we far from an AI being able to say, hey, I've picked out five moments where this candidate gave answers that were similar to this other candidate who you decided to hire? Uh, no, I don't think we're that far from that. And if I want to take that as a, oh, well, I know that person went on to be a really high performer and, you know, I really like working, I collaborate them really effectively. So I think there's, that's given me more confidence that'll be true for this person too, then that's a good thing. And this is where I mean, like, if you understand, if you can, if you can look at this stuff in higher resolution, we may realize that some of these recommendations are actually quite, quite useful, but getting to the point where it's like, hey, taking this, this, this highly nuanced picture we have of this candidate and saying that I, as an AI understand your company and your goals well enough and i understand whether the previous hires you've made were good hires or bad hires and therefore i can say that this person is someone which i think we're very far from that and it's, for example it's not something we're we're working on it's not even a future we want to want to build towards to be honest i think we like the more augmented empowered human decision makers um but as i said still augmented and informed by some things that they otherwise may not have been able to pick up on yeah i'm, I'm definitely not in theory, based on what I understand about the world and AI, it's not something I want to get to. I think I think it will happen. I do think it would happen, but I think it would be. I think a lot of people would reject it, like like you say. I just think it. I think it could definitely happen. I, I think it would happen for some companies in some industries. You might see it more commonly in. Um, I think in if you're an organisation that is trying to put together. Um, uh, like a, a high performing creative team where like chemistry is one of the things you're thinking about. And, you know, you can't always commit to, to the job spec or writing exactly all of the things that you're looking for in this human being, because it's, there's just too much institutional knowledge or even like tribal knowledge between the group, the, the, the lot of you that it's very hard to train an AI on. Then I think that you're going to be quite, you're, that's, those are the buckets where you're not going to see a lot of this. And much as we may say, oh, actually having this tribal knowledge or, you know, not being able to articulate exactly what you want in a candidate, that's a bad thing. Well, you know, it's just, that's just realistic. That's just human. You know, that is just, we're all like multidimensional people and it's really hard to sort of like summarize, you know, pull completely on like a, on a CV, let's say, or even on a JD or something like this. So I think that's, that's the world where it will be tough to achieve, to even achieve that effectively. I think then it may be possible to achieve that more effectively in roles where that's not the case, where you're less concerned with that. Maybe, maybe this person is like a, it's it's like a single player worker. Like the work they do is just, it's just like them at their machine, whether it's a computer or or some other type of machine. Yeah. Maybe I can imagine a world where there is uh, more automation end to end for something like that. Final question, Sal. What, what are some for someone who's perhaps not quite um, got to the point where they're adopting AI into their daily, you know, into their work working day? What's some practical first steps for recruiters who can really start incorporating it into their processes? And and and, and I suppose, yeah, what what are the most important things they should be doing right now around that? Yeah. So number one is really obvious, right, Paul? It's head over to metaview.ai and <laughs> uh, get a free trial and uh, make uh, taking interview notes a thing of the past. Um, uh, but no, seriously, I would say um, obviously a lot. The 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 thing that has 
made this sort of the topic du jour for like every dinner table conversation. You know, even if you spend any time with parents or grandparents, it's like the things that, that people people are talking about right now. The thing that's made that happen is ChatGPT. So if you're not sort of um, at least experimenting with it or sort of having fun with it, uh, to sort of, you know, ask, asking it questions, learning where it actually makes mistakes and actually, oh, that's not an appropriate use of this type of generative AI. That's more of like a, if I wanted that information, I should just be asking Google or searching for it or something. You, you should be getting, you should be building your intuition. So much as I'm a big believer that I don't think it's incumbent on recruiters or anyone who, anyone really, um, other than people who work in AI, uh, to like learn how like deeply how it works because I still think you're going to be the chaperone for your business outcome that you care about more than you are the technology. You still need to have intuition, like you know, you you need to you need to sort of roughly know that hey, when I when I do this within with with, with this type of an application, it performs it, it does this type of thing, and then you'll you'll either gain inspiration or just confidence around how you can use these things. So I would say ChatGPT is a really good start. Um, Obviously, you can use it for free, so uh, you should you should do that. There's also a paid paid version, uh, which everyone at MetaView has, for example, for that very reason. We want people to really build up their their intuition around how to use it. Um, but yeah, that would probably be that would that would pro- almost certainly be the, the the starting point that I recommend. And then I would start to think about um, the automation side of things, which is essentially comes down to really reflecting and you mentioned this sort of exercise earlier paul like if you write down the things that you're spending time on given your like now newly formed intuition around how things that actually the existing ai tools existing ai capabilities are really good at which of these do i think is actually not so not so much of a sustainable thing that that uh, you know relatively highly paid human beings are going to keep doing um obviously then start to think about ways that you can you can automate those things away. And that could, again, just be via ChatGPT because ChatGPT is a pretty good all-purpose tool, um, uh, or it could be via other tools. One more thing, sorry, I appreciate I'm going on on this point, is I say as part of this intuition building around something, using something like ChatGPT, um, part of what I would hope you realize and part of what I've seen, I've actually seen these mistakes being made on this uh, in, in this way, is that you can't, you are still responsible for the outcome. So let's say one of the things you ask ChatGPT to do is, hey, write a job description for this role. Like if, if your prompt is as simple as that, it's going to do the task and you'll probably be really impressed that it spits out a job description in five seconds and you're like, wow, that's amazing. But that is not the job done. Your job is to obviously create a really sort of a great job description that's ref- that's attractive to the candidate, reflective of the role, and you're going to need to coach it a lot more than that, or you're going to have to take it out and edit it which is also fine too. So my, my point being, what you don't want to fall into is this world where when, when something that is sort of powered by AI spits out an answer, that's therefore the right answer. And I'm going to use that answer. No, you are still accountable for whatever is done in your name. And so you're going to have to sort of take ownership. It's just that you should learn how you can use AI to maybe get you off the blank page. Or again, as I mentioned before, automate away some of the sort of the tasks that require no creativity anyway. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd really, really encourage you're still accountable for everything that you output, anything that's done in your name. It just, you should build up your intuition around how you can essentially just be much more efficient, much quicker, because AI can do anywhere between sort of like 50 and 99% of the task for you. Yeah, the uh, the term AI made me do it will not be something that flies, will it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So, thank you so much for being a part of Talent and Growth. Been a great chat. Really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, yeah, just thanks for being a part of the show. Not at all, Paul. Thanks so much. Really good to really good to chat. 
Great chat with Sal. Even if I do say so myself, he just knows his stuff with AI. Really interesting um, talking to him anytime. I really enjoy it. And, and if you enjoyed the show, if you enjoy what I'm doing here, little old me with Talent and Growth, give us a subscribe, give us a like, give us a follow. Do what you can to support us. It does help us attract even more top quality guests. Apart from that, have a good rest of the week. And I'll see you on the other side.